everyone. Uh, welcome to a free-form edition of ARG Presents. I'm your good pal, Amigo Aaron. I'm joined today by a man who holds all the pieces, and he's taking this thing to work. Give it to the Brent. Hey, how's it going, man? So, Brent, why don't you school the folks as to what we've been up to this morning? Uh, oh, it, manic, mayhem, silliness, craziness. <laughs> But we're here now, and that's what matters. That inaudible stutter it pretty much explains what's been going on here. So <laughs> we've gone uh, remote for one week only. Uh, and Unless we also need to do it next yeah, week. Yeah, well, it's also it's raining outside, and so the arcade was loud. Uh, also, we're coming back from Boat Fest. We've misplaced some things. Now, I spent all morning looking for the uh, wheel pieces to put on the wheel here, which I've got the wheel right here. Uh, we didn't spin this thing at Boat Fest, but you can see I've got it here. I've got the wheel, fine, but I couldn't find the wheel pieces anywhere. So I was lamenting them to Brent, and lo and behold, who's got them? It's the Brent. And Brent has our backup secondary emergency wheel populated, but we'll get to that a little bit later. You know, we thought today uh, we would talk. I wanted to talk uh, with Brent a little bit. We haven't talked that much since uh, Boat Fest went down. No, I've pretty much been avoiding you like the plague. Yeah, I've avoided everyone, and I've also tried to not think about computers or festivals for a week. That's it. <laughs> you know? And so, I kid you not, uh, when I say uh, that the night that the show was over, Boat sent me a message about the next show. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And then he, and he was like, hey, can you send all of the recordings over tonight? I'm like, all my stuff was in bags and sacks everywhere. But we're still going to get into a little bit of Boat Fest action. We're going to, this is the Boat Fest, the final chapter. We should have talked it up on the last couple of shows. The final, you, final yeah. chapter. If you watched Coco uh, talk yesterday, uh, Boat and L. Curtis Boyle had a, 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 a thorough vetting of Boat Fest that went on for over two hours. That's that's a shoot, <laughs> by the way. We won't be doing that. But we did Dude. want to talk about some stuff in in. Uh, the in the realm of ARG presents, uh, and mostly we're going to talk about some of the games uh, that went on. But I guess before we get into that too much, Brent, do you have any? Do you want to go into uh, your overall thoughts? Because we haven't heard from you. How did you think the, well, the show went down, man? Well, I, I think the show was actually far, far better than uh, uh, I think any of us could have ever hoped. Uh, everyone got along, which. You might think that's kind of a given, right? We're all community and stuff like that. I don't like think that. that. I, I work with you. But, I mean, there's always – I'm a realist, right? And I I don't hope for the worst, but I always am expecting things that could go wrong. Like the very first thing that happened here, what, what happened on Thursday? AC to the room, gone. Yeah, right? that was a bad start. And I was thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, here we go. You know, the the sword of Damocles isn't hovering overhead. It's speeding towards our, our vital organs. What I was thinking was we're going to have 30-plus big dudes in a room with huge, ancient, heat-giving machines, and we're going to have no AC. That's what I was yeah. thinking. That would have been no I, good. I was panicked. Yeah. I was honestly panicked at that point. And I thought, you know— we're we're gonna get through this. We're gonna we're gonna make this fun for everyone, and we're gonna we're going to to uh, push through. And Friday and Thursday we got set up. The room looked nice, uh, and then things that were be I was hanging on the wall signage and stuff like that started falling off the wall because it was so hot. Yeah, the the the, the glue on the uh, on the sticky pads I was using was melting, and things were falling off the wall. It's like, well, okay, now I'm. I was I was scared, but hopeful, and now I'm just panicked because I know once this thing gets cranking, it's going to be really bad. Because West Virginia summers are like a roller coaster. Sometimes you have nice seventy degree Fahrenheit days, and everybody's happy and joyful, and then you have ninety five degree Fahrenheit degree days that are just miserable because the humidity is you know. 80 90 percent yeah and of course we got one of the one of the hotter days that was on boat fest uh, uh kudos to the hotel uh they really worked with us the best they could they let us keep the door open which allowed some of the outside air conditioning to blow in 
and we had fans set up as much as we could. And we were we were tripping breakers and breakers on walls weren't working correctly. It the very first beginning at Boat Fest, it looked like it was gonna be a disaster. But the AC got fixed uh, in pretty short order. It was about midday on Friday when it got fixed, uh, and the room instantly cooled off. We were able to put all those fans away, hook up more stuff, uh, and then you start feeling good about things. So I was, I was, and everyone was super nice. There was really no. Um, because you've got so many different people, right, from so many different cultures and so many different backgrounds. You expect somewhere in there there's going to be a budding ahead. I, I, it's just – that's just how uh, uh, statistics work. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Everyone was so good uh, and, and very well-mannered, very well-spoken. I, I was amazed at how much everyone knew about what they brought – about uh, the event at hand, you know, and... Actually, the worst feel- speaker there was you. You told everyone you hoped they'd have a time. A time. That didn't well, make a lick of sense. Oh, well, I didn't want time to stop. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, as, you know, things were rolling, fun was being had. Uh, we started doing some shows. They all went off pretty much without any complications. We had people, new people that we didn't know, and that always adds a new element to it that you, you know, you hope they're good, but you don't know exactly why they're there, what their motivation is. Uh, but all the, any people that came in that we didn't know was very well behaved from Brent anything outside of them. Um, we got through Friday, Saturday, started up early in the morning, and then our show came, right? And uh, ARG Presents, I wanted to do a thing where we just spun the wheel in different time increments, and the time increments got lower and lower and lower. Uh, and it, it was the – in my mind, this was a brilliant idea. Because Aaron and I – Aaron, you know, we both know a lot about games, right? We both know a lot about the system. I thought we when, did. When you cram so much knowledge into a mind – uh, it starts to actually kind of dissipate, and, and it turns into no knowledge. Oh my god! What you're getting? It's roll, you're rolling out thick here. Uh, it, Let's it, make, don't don't sugarcoat it. You had a goofy concept that you, I'm still not sure of the rules of the concept. I never quite I, understood them. Apparently, the rules were interrupt me as soon as I get going with a new spin. That's what I thought you did. <laughs> so we we start. I, I I think it's a brilliant idea. Until I sat down to do the show. Live, in front of a crowd. (laughs) We spin the wheel. Aaron, do you remember the first thing we got? We got Odyssey 2. Odyssey 2. Do you remember the second thing we got? No. We got Odyssey 2 again. Because you hadn't thought about that. Well, I I had thought about it, but I thought, man, what's the chances? Yeah. And we ended up spinning two things twice. Yeah, Tari was the other one. Of of all the things that are on the wheel. You know... Uh, I, I do want to. I want to jump in here for a minute, if I may, because it's a good time for us. We can kind of do this as we go through. I was making a very important point when I got cut off, and I want to. I want to expand on it a little bit, if I if I if I may uh, be able to. Uh, we were talking about uh, the Atari twenty six hundred version of Pac Man. Okay, now uh, Brent opened the conversation about this by saying. Pac-Man was so bad, was the second Pac-Man, uh, uh, did that make it okay, I guess was basically the way you put it. And then he, of course, went on to say he was talking about Miss Pac-Man. Why you called it the second Pac-Man, I don't know. So anyway, what I talked about was this, and I just wanted to, I wanted to finish my thought from the show. You know, people, this is that, this is that look back to 1983 or whatever with 2022 eyes. And it's and the thing is, unless you were there, this is one of those old ranch rants. Unless you were there, you don't get it. And t- when you read this stuff, it sounds plausible and logical, but it's not true. It's wrong. And the word on the street is that uh, Atari Twenty Six Hundred Pac Man was was this huge debacle. Okay, that was like the worst game ever, and people were throwing cartridges in, in the gutters 
and throwed them in the streets. It was this huge, uh, unbelievable, uh, uh, hideous crime. Right? Not true at all. The fact of the matter is, while 2600 Pac-Man was not what everyone had hoped it would be, it was popular, and some really liked it, and it sold in droves. It sold tons. Atari made too many copies. That's on Atari. That's not the game's fault. The game is okay. I mean, by t- by the standards of the 2600, it is Pac-Man. You run around, you eat the Energizers, you get the ghosts, the whole nine yards. Could they have done a better job? Yes, probably so. But the guy that made this game was a pretty good programmer, and he went on to, he, like I told Brent that uh, at Bonefest, he went on to get one of the biggest like bon- bonuses you that, that Atari ever gave a programmer because of the incentive program they had because it sold so well. But again, they just made too many copies. But everyone I know from back when I was a kid and this came out, everyone had this game. Everyone, all right? So when you hear about and we all played it. We played it a lot. Uh, it was a, it was it was played. So when you hear these tales about how this game was so hideous, I mean, yeah, if you play it today by today's standards, because uh, we've got everything, we're spoiled. You know, we've we've gotten used to having the best, and we people go back and make these twenty six hundred games and make them awesome. But the truth of the matter is, this game was just fine when it came out. It was disappointing to a certain degree, but we were used to playing arcade ports that were nowhere near as good as their arcade counter, uh, you know, what they were based on. And this game was more, like I said, everyone I know had this. People talk about E.T. It's the same thing. They made too many. They overestimated the the, the uh, uh, interest in it. Now, E.T. is not as good a game as this, but I mean, it's it was, I've played much, much, much worse. And everyone had E.T. as well. Everybody had it. They may not have played it, but they had it. But plenty of people played uh, a 2600 Pac-Man. That's what I was getting at. See, now when people say this stuff, it doesn't make any sense to, to well, me. Go ahead, Brent. Here's the thing. I, I don't totally disagree with you, but the problem with Pac-Man uh, is there were better versions of the game out there. But not for the 2600. No, you're right, because this was the only one for the 2600. But when people saw what others were doing with the game, and they were making it truer to form, it got into their minds that the Atari version of this, because this was Atari's game, basically, uh, I know it wasn't, but it was, they expected this to be better. Are you talking <clears throat> about contemporary people or people? No. Okay, no. So I was going to say, I mean, here's a little, it's a little tidbit. Here's a little knowledge bomb, okay? When this came out on the Atari 2600, Atari 2600 was video games, all right? I know. For the masses, when you said, hey, let's," go, you didn't say, let's go play video games or let's go play your console. You said, let's go play Atari because this is the game that everyone had. Now, eventually, television and Coleco crept in. But, but trust me when I tell you that no one was looking at this and saying, like, man, this looks a lot better on, like, the, the Valley... Uh, Astro Cage, because no one knew what that was. Nobody. There was no internet to tell you it was out there. All these other well, systems, I heard about them after the fact, because when I was a kid, there was no you didn't know about other systems or computers. You knew about the big dog, and this was the big dog. I And you're right. I agree with 99% of that. I think that the public was starting to get informed in these days, because magazines were... were starting to get published a lot, especially less with consoles, more with computers. But the knowledge was starting to creep out there. Uh, The problem with Atari Pac-Man is it could have been better. And I think that... Absolutely. I think this is is one of those games where... And really, it was unfortunate for Atari, because Atari saw all these other people making Pac-Man, and they thought they had all the time in the world. They were trying to milk the arcade for every last quarter they could get out of it. And when all these other versions, you know, be them called Pac-Man or whatever they were called, uh, started coming out, Atari was like, crap, we've got to get something to market. See, that's not the way I heard it. They wanted this out for Christmas sale. They did. And they they had, they pushed uh, the programmer hard to get it out. I mean, he got this thing done quick. Yes, you know, I mean, listen, that's what Atari did. That's and, but, which to their detriment often. 
But they, yes. they, they had, they didn't screw around. They wanted stuff released, and, and there was no uh, going over. It's not like today, you know. And you've also got one man doing them, so you could you could hit him with the whip, get him going, you know. And if if they if they put out something that would be called an inferior product by some people's standards, they didn't care. I mean, they put out lots of stuff that I would call a dud. But this, all things considered, I would call a passable. Again, it's not what I'd put, want to load up right now and play. In some ways, it's bad, and this is iconic. Because I guarantee you, people looking at this footage, you're even thinking about this in their car when they listen to us, they can hear Pac-Man going, Those are legendary noises that the, this game makes. And so, uh, uh, yeah, was this as good as... Even in contemporary times, Mitch, y'all just mentioned that we both had... We had a... Uh, Odyssey 2, Casey Munchkin blows this thing out of the water. Out of the water. I mean, and in yep. fact, not only is it better looking, it's just a better game. It was more yep. interesting. Uh, uh, but uh, no one had Odyssey 2, unfortunately. Not too many. Uh, and mo- but, uh, So, you know, yeah, there was competitions, and some of it was better. But I don't think, I mean, no one knew about most of that stuff, so I don't think it mattered. Anyway, I wanted to bring that up from the uh, our conversation at Boat Fest, that you cut me off because of the wheel. Please carry on with what you were saying. So well, I I I think pretty much everything about this has been said. I I, I think there were more factors uh, behind the scenes than I think you realize. Because I've actually I've researched this quite a bit, not in the recent days, but beforehand. It was all part of the when I was doing Miss Pac Man Pac Man Ladies Games thing. Um, but something else I want to mention about Boat Fest, Darren. Is the Beat the Brent Challenge. Yes, this was very popular, wasn't it? For, uh, uh, we all played a arcade version of Street Fighter II Championship Edition. And we played it, if I can get big screen for just a moment, Aaron. I think we can make you big here. Let's see. There it is. Yeah, this was the controller that we used. For those listening, it's a very tiny rendition of the... uh, uh, Street Fighter Two Championship Edition arcade panel for one player. It's a control panel in the palm of your hand, and if, if you could just be quiet for a, a moment, Aaron, I'm going to see if I can get this on mic. Those are micro switch, micro micro switches in the joystick and the buttons. So this is a very competent stick, although absurd in its size and novelty purposes. <laughs> yes. So we had the Beat the Brent Challenge. And it was me playing anyone who wanted to step up and play. Now, you only got one shot. You could play as much as you wanted beforehand. You could even play me beforehand. Um, but at, when you said, okay, this is it, you had one chance to beat the Brent. And the winner would get a mini controller, the whole nine yards, fresh in box. Uh, we had... Many people try, and, and I will admit, this is a game I grew up on. So well, it now, was wait def- a minute here. Admit oh. the other thing, too, that you cheeseballed your way to victory after victory with the cheapest character in the game, E-Honda. E-Honda. Okay, first of all, E-Honda is not the cheapest character in the game. Was, with that, in this it, game, with that joystick, he was. What? What? Yeah, you heard me. Because fireball motions and stuff were a lot harder on that joystick. No, M. Bison was the character to pick. I disagree. Well, yeah, you played me and you got destroyed. That's why you think that. (laughs) Um, So, the the challenge was, anyone could pick anyone, by the way. It's not like I forced people to play characters. Uh, But we had a good old time at the Beat the Brent Challenge, something I... I definitely believe we'll be coming back uh, for the next. Yeah, because we didn't give away any of the joysticks. You still kept them all. <laughs> I thought at the end of the show you would be just give them away, but nope, they took them home. No, that's not true. I did. Uh, I sold a few uh, for people who wanted to take them home for their kids. Um, well, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. I've got one right here, by the way. So don't and worry. To be, I'll be, to be honest. I, I wanted I wanted to to sell them for much cheaper than than the price I actually gave. Uh, but he the he was insistent. So, uh, but beat the Brent challenge. A fun part of Boat Fest. I think lots of people had had a good time playing it. Uh, my hardest opponent in that, Aaron, uh, I will have to admit, was Luke. <laughs> he played. <laughs> uh, we played a few fighting games over the year. Me and the boy. Luke's my son, by the way. Uh, 
He told me he almost got you. He told me he took a round off of you. A couple people did get rounds. Yeah. A couple people did get rounds. And I tried... Uh, E-Honda is not my best character. Uh, in fact, the very first uh, match I played, I kept trying to do E-Honda's down to up, where he, he does the the butt drop. Yeah. It's not in this version. Yeah. So that shows you how much I practiced E-Honda. You know, None. I want to talk about Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition. Uh, sure. Of course, when you know me and you played Street Fighter... I, I, my, our buddy, the Chud, got me into Street Fighter on vacation one time. Nag said, North Carolina, it's the first time I ever played the game. And he, right. he taught me how to use Blanca, and I ended up ended up uh, graduating to use Chun-Lee. Now, I pretty much play about anybody now. There's a few I don't like. But uh, when the Street Fighter Championship Edition came out, I thought, because that, there were problems with the original Street Fighter, and they that they I kind of ironed out in the second one. And I, I gotta say, this is one of the great Street Fighter games. And I know there's a lot of Alphabet soup, like sequels done to death on the, on the Street Fighter series, and yeah. really Championship Edition was the start of it. But the, at the time, the idea that you got to play those bosses was really cool. It was. No one thought that was something you could do. It's just because the way the bosses acted, and they did a good job translating what the bosses did in the first game into the players' hands. Yeah, you know, and yeah, even and even also making it fairly even. I mean, yeah. you can, you'll get a guy that plays Bice and just spams the Psycho, you know, Psycho torpedo or whatever yeah. over and over. But, I mean, for the most part, they're all pretty playable. And uh, some of them, like, uh, uh, I'll say, uh, uh, Balrog, really, or Vega, they bring a lot of unique action that you didn't get from the other characters. Sort of like Zanjeev. They're, they're, really, the Street Fighter, one of the great things about it, is in terms of fighting games, it's, it's diversity among characters. Yeah, you got Ken, you got Ryu, and you've got Sagat to a certain degree that that do that. They're all sort of samey, but most for the most part, the characters are really different, and and it makes them fun to play. And we we of course picked this up for the Super Nintendo too when it came out. Absolutely, fact, I would play. I would say Street Fighter and Street Fighter Championships are the games I put on the Super Nintendo more than I play anything else. We would just play them. We'd have people over and play them like for a weekend. Like yeah. people would leave. So we've played a ton of these things. Uh, and it was fun. I have to say, I hadn't really played. You know, you get a lot of like. I got Street Fighter four and five, and I got Tekken seven. I got all these new games. And sometimes you got to go back and touch base. And the funny thing is, this game didn't lose a step. It's as fun yeah. now as it ever was. It I know is. some people just don't like fighting games, and and, and also a lot of people don't th look at uh, fighting games like sports games. They're like, oh well, once the new one comes out, you because they're trash, y'all. But it's that's not true for a, 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 a connoisseur. Of, of fighting games. So, there's some come and go. Like, I would take Championship Edition over Street Fighter, uh, Super Street Fighter 2, the new challenge. That's the, I would take this any day of the week over those. And I, it's just like, uh, I would take Samurai Showdown 2 over, I think, any other version. A lot of people, there's this King of Heroes, like it's 98, that is the one that they liked. Every, I mean, despite the fact that they improved or added characters, doesn't mean they made the game better. And, you, and some of these old versions are the true versions. And I think this is one of them. I was pleased that we could get this running on the Mister, uh, and it ran quite nicely. I don't. Did you yeah. notice the glitchery? Uh, 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 there were a few glitches. Yeah. It was if, because of the controls more than anything else, because the way the buttons yeah. would hit. Uh, but uh, uh, it ran quite nicely, uh, and I was happy to get my Mister involved uh, in the uh, show as well. I thought that was that was pretty fun. So yeah, the Brent challenge was a surprising hit. For in fact, when Brent tore down everything and took his joysticks out to the car. I made him bring him back because me and the boy wanted to play some Street Fighter Two, and and now and Luke really got into this game. He was really getting into it, so yeah, this is one that that'll be in his future. So yeah, this was a big success, and I didn't see it coming. So I'll give you credit on that one, to Brent. Uh, something that was a little less success was the passport system overall. Uh, I think some of it was down to explanation. Also, I think some of it was just down to. Um, uh, you want to explain what that was? Because I don't think a lot yeah, of people know what it was. It. Uh, we were trying to encourage people to do multiple things while they were at Boat Fest because we didn't want people to set back and, and not feel like they could play this or do that. So we wanted to try to push people in certain directions. Uh, so we handed out a, a passport, which was realistically, it was a, it was a, five by seven piece of cardboard 
that allowed you to earn stickers by doing certain things at Boat Fest. For example, Beat the Brent was one of the things. When you when you tried to challenge me at Street Fighter, you would uh, get a sticker that could go onto your passport. And that was just a way to signify that you had done that and uh, move on to, you know, you could kind of check that off your list of something you did and move on to the next thing. Uh, Well, I think that uh, I I will take some of the blame in not explaining it well enough. I kind of thought when people got their welcome bag, they would actually go through the contents of it. And and for the most part, I think a lot of people didn't. Uh, In the goodie bag, you've got hand sanitizer because we were trying – we wanted – you know, people. A lot of sy- systems were brought, and a lot of people were there, and we wanted people to stay clean when they were using the equipment and, and not pass on really germs or anything else. Uh, thankfully, that was not an issue. I don't think anyone got sick from Boat Fest, at least not that I've heard of. Uh, so, big thumbs up for that. Um, but in the bag was hand sanitizer, uh, some hard candy because I know that we've got some people out there that, you know might stretch themselves a little too thin or not have food and drink right there readily available and need just uh, sugar, something, something to suck on, that sort of thing. So we had some candy in there. Uh, We had the passport along with the first sticker, and we had a mini program that was just sort of a welcome to Boat Fest. Uh, Explained the passport, explained uh, some do's and don'ts, just, you know, normal things let people know that we were streaming the event and then had the schedule in the back and then some people also got uh keychains and some people got uh an amiga sticker and that was sort of what was in the gift bag i expected people to go through those bags more and they didn't uh maybe it was because the bags were so large the bags didn't fit the content, right? So the bags were a lot bigger than the stuff that was in the bags because we just had to use the bags that I had available. Um, so that's something I learned from Boat Fest that I didn't think about before. I think having that stuff and giving that stuff away was a good idea. I think the concept of it was good, but like the passports weren't well explained, uh, and I think the bag didn't fit the stuff, so they didn't actually look into the bag and explore what was inside the bag. But that's something that we can fix moving forward. That's an easy fix. I want to talk about another game-related uh, bit at the sure. at the show, and that was we had both put together three uh, art, like challenges, basically. And uh, the first one I want to talk about is uh, a game for, it's for the Coco called Timberman. Now, this thing's been ported, I think, everywhere. This game got a lot of play. Uh, at did. the show, and uh, Boat made these really nice trophies, like I mentioned, and uh, I was surprised how this was the the runaway success of the uh, of the high score challenge. Everyone was playing the Coco Three, and we had people at the show that had never seen a Coco in their whole life, uh, which was that was interesting to me. And they all had a shot at it, and Boat had it rigged up nicely with his. Uh, HDMI out. He had uh, all the accoutrement. He'd been sent for the joysticks. He had a uh, 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 Genesis pad hooked up, and he also had the uh, one of the deluxe Coco sticks. You could use either one. I really hadn't played a lot of this game, but it is a, an addictive game. And the the high score challenge for Timberman went well into the evening. They uh, the top two players kept tying. It's quite remarkable. And they finally switched to another game to break the tie. And they tied at that. Uh, and the two guys were Andy uh, Jarvis, which is our, our buddy Pat's son, and Ra, which was uh, Packabilly's brother, which who was there, who also yeah. he cleaned up. We'll get more into him in a minute. He sort of ended up winning the Timberman Challenge, but he'd won the other two challenges as they decided, as a as a, a sign of fellowship, to give the Timberman Trophy to uh, Andy. And so he got the he got it, which was nice. It was a nice uh, sportsman-like thing to do. Have you played Timberman before? Just because I mean, it's on everything. I know it's on phones and a lot of those systems. I really hadn't. I knew of it. I think I'd played it a couple times, but not in depth. It's a simple but fun game, isn't it? Uh, I didn't like Timberman. 
Oh, of course. Uh, um, I, I like Dodgy Rocks a hundred times better. Yeah, we'll get into Dodgy Rocks here. Say, what, what do you uh, not like about Timberman? Controls. Oddly I mean, enough, pretty simple. It's not about the simplicity. If this was hitting two keys on a keyboard, <clears throat> I would have loved it a lot more. Yeah. Uh, the 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 stick. It's meant to be played with an analog stick, and and we did not have an analog stick because I I talked to uh we I did have an Co- analog stick. The Deluxe Coco stick's analog. Uh, well, okay, maybe we weren't using it as an analog stick. Because I talked to Curtis about this. The the uh, default position for your little Timberman is on one side. So you could really let go of the stick, go to that, and hit the button, and it would be that side. And then you had to push to the other direction to get him to go to the other side. And for me, that was very awkward. I think I put up a, a reasonable score. I think my score was... Uh, in the 280s. Yeah, that's what Luke put up, too. He put a score up in the 280s. I thought it was a pretty fun game, uh, and uh, I enjoyed it. And so that was the uh, that was our uh, number one offering on the uh, on the Coco. Now we also had uh, we also had a game on the uh, on the uh, A500 Mini, which was called Dodgy Rocks. And uh, Bo didn't put these things up ahead of time, so no one could practice them. It was all part of Boat's evil plan. I had played Dodgy Rocks, just getting it ready to, to actually put on the uh, on the uh, mini. What did you think of Dodgy Rocks? This was another one that got a lot of play. I really enjoyed Dodgy Rocks. Uh, at first, I, I did not know that you had other actions besides just dodging the rock. Yeah. Uh, but this becomes a a huge point press pressure luck sort of affair because there are you can just dodge the rocks. I mean, they're coming down in five different columns. Uh, occasionally, he'll throw a, a special rock as well. It's kind of like a, a fireball that, instead of going down the, the five columns that are available, it will go diagonal, or it will try to go basically where you're at, uh, which makes it a little more tricky. And all of this was on nightmare mode to make the game harder. That's the way we all played it. Um, so <clears throat> we... If you just want to dodge the rocks, you can get a pretty good score. Uh, the very first time I played it, that's how I did it. The Once you start learning about it, though, you can jump and hit the rocks and destroy them, and you get points that way. You can just barely dodge the rocks and get a near-miss bonus. You can do it that way. Or you can double-tap and kind of power-slide and destroy rocks that way, and you get a bonus for that. Um that made a huge difference. Huge difference. Become It became a game of skill on top of just a high score game. Uh, I, I played this a lot. This is definitely the one I played the most of. And it, it was a in, very interesting game. And it played very well on the system that we were playing it on, uh, which made a huge difference. I can't imagine. I think this started out as a cell phone game. I cannot imagine playing this on a cell phone, though. This is something where you need you need that tactile click of either the joystick or a keyboard, whatever you decide to play it on. Uh, I really enjoyed this one, though. The third game of the challenge was a was the sequel to Trash Man. Now, I'll be honest with you, I didn't I didn't play this once. This was on the uh, uh, it was on Boats ZX, and every time I was over there, that thing was had a little glitch or something, and I didn't get to try the Trash Man sequel. Did you get to give this thing a whirl? I did. Uh, I think the, the the problem with Trash Man was none of us knew how to advance past a certain point. Uh, and it became a group effort, which was very cool, by the way, of trying to figure out how to get past this certain point in the game. And I, I spent a little bit of time with it, uh, but I kept getting pulled away to do other things. Uh, I, I wish, I hope, I don't know if it ever happened, but I hope someone got past the point uh, I figured out a few things. I think other people figured out stuff behind me. Was this thing called they... Crisis Time? Was that the Trash Man? I, which one was the... Because there's a couple of these sequels. I'm not even sure which one it was. Like I said, I never got to good play it. What was the name? Uh, of it? Do you was, remember? It was Trash Man. Yeah, something in Crisis. I think that was Crisis Time was the name of it there. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. So, But yeah, I think... Does this look right to you? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Yep. So there you go if you're watching at home. Crisis Time. I uh, I love the original Trash Man, and I heard that once you figured out what was going on, this it got to be a more fun. 
but uh, uh, this one I didn't get to I didn't get to try that much. Uh, but uh, uh, Rob won this one too. Like I said, he really won all three. He was killing it out there. He's also the strongest guy I've ever seen. Uh, his brother Pack Billy had this enormous, uh, like a studio monitor, the biggest one I've ever seen in my whole life. I mean, Brent, how, would you estimate the size of that monitor? It was it was uh, big, and it was it, dense. It was big. It yeah. was a big block, and uh, he went out and carried that thing by himself in and out. I couldn't believe it. impressive power on the, on the man. <laughs> I got to give the guy credit. Um, so we also, I want to touch on one more thing game wise before we start winding this thing down. Uh, we had a good go at a game that I didn't think we would, uh, Brent, which was on the Jaguar. Tell them about that. Yes. Uh, well, are you talking about the uh, NBA Jam? That's Jambers? right. That's yeah. right. This was. This might be a. It was almost certainly a, a West Virginia first, and it could be a. It could even be an East Coast first. Uh, we had a Jaguar set up, and someone had the four-player multi-tap, which. Talk about being underutilized for all systems. That was it a was, pack billy, by the way. Yeah, it was that. super underutilized by the Jaguar. I think there were only like two or three games that ever used it. Uh, unfortunately, there were two. Uh, two basketball yeah, games, yeah. He had the multi-tap, but he only had two controllers. And who's, you know, it's a Jaguar. Who's going to have Jaguar controllers? Aaron's going to have Jaguar controllers. That's right, because I've got a Jag myself. That we so never the, play hardly, but we've got the yeah. Jag. <laughs> well, there's yeah, exactly. So uh, there was some four-player Jaguar action happening at Boat Fest, and I, it drew a lot of crowd. A lot of people watched the action uh, for those who weren't able to participate. Uh, but holy cow, probably like I said, probably a West Virginia first of a four player Jag setup. It was amazing. The funny thing about this is, uh, I, I was watching the guys, I was setting up for a show and I was watching the four fellas try to figure out how to start four players on it. Yeah. Which you'd think would be easy, but they were having to look up the docks and stuff. Cause it's the Jaguar. Nothing's easy on the Jag. So just exactly. getting the game started and getting all the players in, it was no easy feat. The sad thing is, once you get through all the hullabaloo of getting everything hooked up, getting the joysticks hooked up, getting the controller set up, getting the game started, this played a pretty darn good game in the NBA Jam, uh, Brent, if I may say. And I've played a lot of Jam. It had a lot of the uh, calls, the voice calls. It had uh, uh, a lot of the special dunks and stuff. It had the full ride. It was good, man. I couldn't believe how cool that was. And I was I was impressed that Pac Billy. You know, brought the eight-player control or the four-player controller. But what amazed me was number one that it existed, and number two that someone had purchased it, and I yeah. couldn't believe it. And Pack Billy, like I say, he had one of the two games. I think the other one was Charles Barkley shut up and jam or something like that. Another basketball game. But who's going to play that when you can play NBA Jam? I was wondering. <laughs> I was wondering about uh, the availability of that one. Now there was another. Uh, there was another uh, set of games going on that was even an eight-player game. Now I didn't get—I didn't find out about this till after the show. I was—I was. Can you can you speak on this, Brent? I really can't. I knew it was happening. I knew it was getting set up, but I actually never saw it being played. Uh, uh, we've got folks here in chat saying, "Yeah, it happened." Uh, they uh, eight players turtle. Mash, uh, it's it's mash turtle. It's, it's yeah, what it's gone. Unfortunately, uh, I did not get to witness this firsthand. Unfortunate, because I would have loved to have seen it. Yeah, and so uh, uh, this is literally, as I'm looking now, this is the first time I've actually seen the video for it or have any idea what it is. Uh, but I mean, I love the idea that it was eight players. I think they used, and someone in the chat can correct me. I think they used the Fuji nets on this to hook up all eight to hook up eight people, if I'm not mistaken. I love it though. Uh, and uh, anytime those you... watching at home, uh, don't think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Think Frogger. Yeah, uh, it, it's very frog. It looks like almost it sort of like Frogger and Freeway. If you remember the old uh, Activision clone of Frogger. Yeah. Oh, I see. A forty-eight K. Thank God you're in here. He used they used the Multi Joy Eight uh, for a multi tap on this. So this was a local, which I didn't I, I didn't know that actually. Uh, I didn't know that uh, would do that. So that's crazy. Eight players on the old. Atari brand. I'm, I'm sad that I missed out on that, to be honest with you. I that sounds well. awesome. Uh, that sounds like uh, it would be a lot of fun. 
hopefully that is something that will return uh, to the next boat fest, whenever that may be. So let's before we take this thing to the house, but we've been going on for a while. Uh, were there any other games or anything that you saw that really uh, appealed to you uh, at the show that people brought in? I got to play crossbow on a, 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 a TRS-80 with a mouse. Oh, yes, yes, I saw that. I, I saw you playing that. I, I got to play. That was uh, that was brought in uh, by uh, Commodore Chronicles brought that in, I believe. He had the, uh, it was a, a Tandy... Uh, was that an H? It was like an EX or an HX. Somebody could correct me on that. It was one of the Tandy Wedge machines, and uh, this was uh, I played. Uh, um, I watched Flack play Prince of Persia on it. It was really cool. Yeah, and I ended up playing something on there. I can't remember what it was I played, but it, I remember liking it. But I did catch some of the crossbow. It looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, crossbow. Uh, for those that don't know, old arcade light gun game where you have adventurers that all they do, and you don't control them, is they walk across the screen from uh, left to right. And you have to clear hazards and stop people from trying to kill them uh, from a distance with your crossbow. You might shoot uh, stalactites and and make them fall in holes so now they can walk across. Or you might, you know, shoot lightning bolts that are coming down trying to kill them uh incredible game in the arcade and this translated so well uh with this tandy and the mouse uh i this is one of my all-time favorite light gun games uh in the arcades and to be able to play this on uh, a, a tandy system and it it worked very well and it be a lot of fun i actually Went through the whole game, which I've never done before. It took me a while, but I did figure it out. Do you remember uh, what? Uh, do you, you don't remember what uh, Commodore Chronicles? Uh, uh, what version of the Tandy that was? Do you off the top of your head? I'm, it's I'm afraid I don't. Yeah, because I when I walked up, Crossbow was running. I was like, yeah. Oh, Crossbow! I love this game. The funny so thing, just... <laughs> the funny thing about those old Tandies and even the Wedge ones. It's funny because the Wedge ones are the ones we didn't want. As kids, because they were limited, now they're the more popular ones because they're so cool. Uh, oh, thank you, 48. 48 says he thinks it was a Tandy 1000EX. We both had a TL and an SL growing up, which are the big box Tandies that you could put expansions in. But even the, uh, I was talking uh, to CC about it, and he was telling me that uh, this, of course, still supports the Tandy sound. It also still supports the uh, the 16-color gra- Tandy graphics, which were the... If you're familiar with the old Tandy machines, they basically were going to be PC Junior clones. But the PC Junior died to death, and the Tandys were great and were really popular. <laughs> yeah. They sort of took the mantle of, of the of the PC Junior and just kept on going with it. And it's when you've got an old Tandy, you're actually quite lucky in the DOS days because if the game supported it, you got something that was uh, better than CGA... And anything that's better than CGA is better than CGA. So, yeah. <laughs> that's very true. That is very true. Yeah, uh, there were so much unique things. Uh, the the Amiga one, I remember seeing that yeah, set up. That was nice. That, that that was Level Lord brought that. It was quite yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, that was it's another thing I didn't even know existed. So I, I enjoyed getting a look at that. Um, but overall. The success of BoatFest can really not be understated uh, or overstated enough because it was just a bunch of people having fun, sharing a hobby, uh, and I can't, I honestly can't wait to do it again. I, I agree. I agree. Now, and BoatFest was a lot of fun. We're going to put it in the rearview mirror, uh, and before we get to the spinning the wheel, I want to talk about one more thing here, <clears throat> which is... Uh, coming up, uh, believe it or not, at the end of the month, and that is the Amigathon 2022, uh, Brent. Uh, this will take place uh, on uh, Saturday, July 30th. Now, we are bringing uh, Amigathon back. We do Amigathon every year, Brent. It's a, it's a charity event uh, yes. that we, and we've been doing it for a while. And last year's was far and away the most successful year we've had. Now, we had uh, a lot of the luminaries that we all know, know and respect, such as Neil from RMC and uh, Control Art Reese, Kim Justice, 
uh, Jack Flack. We had the TSI guys on. We had Dan Wood in there, Ravi. We had a lot of our friends come in, Doug. Uh, 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 we also had uh, the guys from Coco Talk. It was We had a great crowd, and, and it took a ton of planning to get this together. And I told Boat, because I knew, given the time that... Uh, uh, that boat fest was going to come around. That like, listen, we're, there's no physical way we could plan another one of these amigathons like we did last year. And I said, you know, something else that bothers me a little bit is that times are tough around the world right now. Money's tight, and the uh, with uh, the energy crunch and whatnot. We all know what's going on. I don't want people to think that every year we're gunning for these uh, huge numbers. I mean, people can give what they can give. I don't want to yeah. keep ramping and ramping because I kind of feel, I don't say I feel bad, but I don't want people to give more than they can afford. And I know a lot of people are so nice and that, that they will do it. So what we're going to do this year, of course, it's still for charity. We're still uh, going uh, through the Children's Miracle Network. But we're going to go back to basics this year. Uh, this year we're going to do 12 hours, at least 12 hours, depending on how froggy I feel at the end. We may go a little longer. And this is just going to be... Me, uh, uh, the Brent, and Boat, and some uh, special guests that are just going to play games. We're just going back to the old days. We're going to load up uh, the Amiga, or the Mister, the Amiga Mini, or some combination of the three, and we're just going to play games. Uh, we're just going to sit down and play 12 hours or more of games. We're going to do the first four hours over at Boat Studio. Then I'm going to hop in the car, come over here, and me and Brent are going to knock out four hours uh, in uh, the arcade and then I'll do the last four hours with, I'm not sure yet, uh, who I'm going to get to come in. We're going to have a special guest come in, maybe a couple even, and uh, play games with us for the last couple of hours. So uh, we want we want uh, to uh, you know pitch it. It's coming up quick. Uh, we want you guys to uh, try to pop in if you can, if you, if you can spare it. Uh, and if you can throw some cash to the Children's Miracle Network, uh, the, uh, uh, the website is already available for your donations we've actually gotten a few donations i'm going to enlarge this it's uh the website if you want to to uh donate is bit.ly forward slash amigathon 2022 simple stuff brent bit.ly forward slash amigathon 2022 uh it's coming up in just a in just a few short weeks uh the brent yes we, we've got sort of a packed month I also want to mention uh, that uh, in two weeks from yesterday, which as of recording of this, I'll just go ahead and give the date. It'll be uh, Saturday the 16th. Uh, it'll be another round of uh, live wrestling. We'll be going, myself, uh, our good buddy Hose and the boat will be covering everything that goes down at the wrestling uh, show right next door to us. Uh, we're going to be covering it live, streaming it on Twitch. So if you've got a big kick out of those, we're going to be running that. I also want to make another announcement that we've added some uh, people to the uh, uh, Amigo Stream Team uh, video cavalcade, uh, graciously uh, allowing us to uh, put up their live streams. We're going to have our good buddy who's in chat, 48K Ram, who does, uh, listen, a top-shelf uh, show every Tuesday on Twitch. Please check him out and follow him over there. He does uh, shows where he shows demos. He does repair uh, a repair style show where he'll go in and re- try to repair machines. He also uh, will judge these contests that are always a lot of fun. He's always got something that's really fun going on, and I really I approached him. I was like, man, I'd really like to get I'd like to archive your shows, your streams, and he he is going to graciously allow that. We're also going to have uh, uh, starting this week. We'll have Happy Coding's uh, uh, programming tutorials are going to be on the Amiga Stream Team channel. So. Uh, he does a stream at once a week, usually, for ZX Programming. You've seen him on the International Computer Club. We're going to have him added to the mix on the Amigo Stream Team uh, channel. Uh, again, that's what this channel was made for, to to sort of archive some of these streams, because some of these things are valuable to go back and watch, especially for uh, repair tips or for uh, programming tips in this case. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, we hope you will check that out, uh, the, the Amigos Stream Team, three words. If you subscribe to that channel, you will get all the goodies as it comes down the pike. Uh, Brent, should we go ahead and spin this sucker? Oh, let's do it. Here we go. So you want to explain what uh, one more time what's happened here? Uh, this is a temporary wheel solution for uh, 
Hopefully this week only, but we'll see how she goes. If you're not, if you're watching, if you're listening on the uh, in the car on your radio, Brent has this sort of I would call this a uh, I bought him this, so I guess I'm insulting myself, but this sort of a B grade wheel that he's put together here, uh, and he's got he put all the pieces we had on here two weeks ago back on the wheel since he got all the pieces. But I'm going to do a zoom in on here. Do you want to read these or just want to go ahead and spin it? I Nope, let's just go. <laughs> go ahead, bud. Okay, pretty good spin. Kind of weak by Brent standards. And we have a winner, Brent. What do you got there? We have the Sharp MX... I'm sorry, MZ700 brought to us by... Dean. 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 That's all you need to know. The Sharp, can you read those numbers again for the people at home? The Sharp MZ700. The 700. Now, you know, I'll be honest with you. I believe we covered a Sharp a while back, but I don't remember it being that one. So I think this is a new ground for us. Uh, so I guess we're going to be, I don't know anything about that. Do you? Nope. No. Okay. Well, so we're back in our comfort zone then, aren't we? We're right back to where we started. <laughs> Put uh, it again. <laughs> so, yeah. Which is, but you just put it down. So, that's the Sharp MZ700 uh, next week. And we'll be back live and in living color. It should be a good time. The Brent, any parting thoughts when we take this thing to the house? Uh, just thanks for all the support out there. Uh, it means a lot to us to keep us going. That's right. And uh, uh, allows us to have things like backup wheels. <laughs> yeah, and th thanks for allowing us to, uh, you know, this is sort of a... Uh, we wanted to sort of do a look back episode without getting too uh, hokey about it, uh, and most talk about the games. But uh, we will be back to our normal format next week. I'm excited to get back to business, Brent. Uh, and uh, well, good lord, now I'm not. Oh, jeez, we're out of here, everybody. Uh, we will talk to you guys again on the flip side. Until then, have a good week. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the show. A special thank you to Devin Styles for our vector style graphics and Parkfit for our amazing music. If you'd like to help keep ARG spinning, you can do so at patreon.com slash ARG presents. Just like these fine folks. Dryerlet 17, Laron Garut, Templar Mar, Z9K9, Jerry Dennington, John Dykeman, Retroalogy, Airshack, Texas Foosballer, Sundown, O'Raw, Super Tech Boy, David Terrence, Mr. B, Roushy, Ram, Debbie Betke, Dave, Velociraptor, Bernhardt Lucas, Steve Rathmason, Anthony Jarvis, Bitter Blitter, Pajaco 6502, Kevin Bean, Andy Jones, Andy Craig, Rob Black O'Hara, Jason Warns, Mitsuyama, Chris Foles, Frodo, and L. The Slowness, Terry Howard, Lola Folk, and Rolo. They all have access to our Discord channel, their name called out in the credits, and visualized in the ending scene. Have an idea for a wheel piece? You can send it to us at argpresents at mail.com. 